0: My name's Lindsay. I feel like I'm, yeah, hi, Lindsay. <laughs> it's been a long time for some of you. Some of you, you don't come to church regularly enough to know that I haven't been here for a while. <laughs> I haven't been here for like a month. So if you're like, what, Lindsay's not been here? Get to church more often. That's for you, too, watching online. Okay. If you're tuning in today and you're like, what do you mean you haven't been there for a month? I have been gone for a month, y'all it's been strange. When I was born, my grandfather was pastoring a church. My dad was working at that church. There has never been a point in my life when I have not been in church. Um, And as I began to think about going into that break, I began to realize that I do not think that in my 39 now years of living that I have ever gone more than three Sundays without being in church. And I've had two children. Never more than three Sundays without being in church. That is strange. (laughs) It also felt strange to not be in church for a little bit. But God is good and he is faithful. And uh, I just want to say thank you to my pastor and all the people I work with who made that possible. For me to actually take a break and actually take a break. Um, I appreciate you all more than you know. So I get to preach today. Pastor Jeremy's like, what day are you coming back? That's the day you're preaching. Okay, here you go. <laughs> get back to it. <laughs> I am preaching today, and this morning I was so struck as I was sitting in here listening to the worship team practice. I was so struck with what a privilege it is to be able to do this, and it's not something I take for granted. And I think um, oftentimes people take standing up in front of people and sharing the Word of God too lightly, and it's not something that I take lightly. Um, Because it's something that none of us are truly equipped to do. None of us are truly qualified to share the word of God with people. So it's a privilege that I don't take lightly. I was also struck this morning watching, watching our worship team. What a joy it is to watch people grow in the Lord. To pray over them and see them walk in who God has called them to be. I know we all um, see Sydney sing, and it's she's such an incredible, incredible leader. But today, um, he's going to get so mad at me. It's okay. I'm sorry. He's like going to sneak out. <laughs> but that young man playing the drums. I remember when he started practicing the drums. We were like, "What is that noise?" And it was Jacob learning. And um, the first time he played in a service, it was so quiet you couldn't almost hear it. I was like, the drums are there, and I see him, but I almost can't hear them. And today he played with such power (laughs) and strength with every strike on that drum. And I just thought, what a privilege it is to watch people grow in the Lord. And some of you have watched me grow in the Lord. today I have a message with a very holy title. It's called Clothes and Carbs. Two of my favorite things. Clothes and carbs. Anyone else like clothes? Mm -hmm. Anyone else like bread? Mm -hmm. If you are not eating bread currently, I am sorry. Anybody who's ever said, I'm going to do carb-free, I just think, why would you want to be cranky? Losing weight is not worth the level of crankiness that I would have to endure if I had to give up bread clothes and carbs is my message title today very holy right I went on a sabbatical and sought the Lord for an entire month and came back to talk to you about clothes and bread but here we are and and this is a different kind of message than I've normally done I sat down to write it out like 14 times that I kept trying to write in points and so forth and I felt like every time I would write something down the Lord would be like stop trying to make this fit the way that you normally do this Stop trying to make this fit the format that you have for laying out a message. And he just said, tell them the two stories and tell them what you've learned. So today, let's look at Joseph and his wonky wardrobe. (laughs) I think Joseph liked clothes, too. We're going to read a lot of scripture today. I'm going to go through a lot of scripture because I want to take us through these two stories, two different men. And I want to look at how God redeems, how God redeems. Genesis chapter 37, Joseph is 17 at the start of this story. In chapter 37, verses 3 and 4, it says, Now Israel loved Joseph more than any of his other sons. Because he had been born to him in his old age and also from his favorite wife, side note. And he made an ornate robe for him. And when his brothers saw that their father loved him more than any of them, they hated him and could not speak a kind word to him. He was the favorite. Now, if your sibling is sitting in here, don't look at them because you think, mm hmm, that's you, you're the favorite. And listen, I think the thing is, uh, Jacob, Israel, had so many kids, it was pretty obvious who the favorite one was. And it was definitely Joseph. And he made him this robe. And don't you know, because Joseph was 17, he walked around wearing it like, (laughs) right? He was proud of it. And the more proud he was of it, the more annoyed his brothers were with him. But Joseph was not only favored by his father, but he had a gift. He was a dreamer. He had dreams. And it says then, and he had had this dream, and, you know, I don't know, sometimes you should just not say everything. You know? You just don't have to say everything. For those of us who like words, that's a hard lesson to learn sometimes that we don't have to say everything. But Joseph didn't get the message at 17 years old that if you have a dream that says that your brothers and your parents are going to bow down and kiss your feet, you should probably not tell them. They already don't like you. Don't make matters worse by being like, not only am I dad's favorite and did he give me this expensive robe, but here soon, you guys are going to be bowing down to me. Right? You can see his brothers already planning to let him know his business. It says, his brothers said to him, do you intend to reign over us? Will you actually rule us? And they hated him all the more because of his dream and what he had said. His dreams were a gift to him. The favor that his father had given him was a gift to him. And he was lucky to have those gifts, but he was also a little bit cocky about those gifts. And he got himself in trouble. And we know the story of what happened next to him. In chapter 37, verse 23, it says, So when Joseph came to his brothers, they stripped him of his robe, the ornate robe he was wearing. They took the robe from him, threw him into a pit. We know the story as it comes next. They sold him off. Then they took the robe and they covered it with animal's blood so that they could convince his father that he was dead. So Joseph went from having the finest in appearances and this beautiful robe that he was proud of and a gift that he was excited about, and he ended up in a pit naked. And the very thing that was a sign of the favor on his life was taken and it was torn apart and covered in blood to signify that his gift was no more. Pitfall right there. And that's generally where we, the last week, focus in on on the clothes that Joseph wore. But I want you to see something here. Clothes for Joseph were kind of a sign, a way that God signified his favor on Joseph. Because after he's sold, Potiphar takes him and gives him clothes and he's working in Potiphar's house. But this time, it's not his fault. He's not getting himself in trouble. This time, a crazy woman goes after him. And it says in verse chapter 39, verse 12, she caught him by his cloak, his robe, and said, come to bed with me. But he left his cloak in her hand and ran out of the house. Then she told him this story, talking about her husband. The Hebrew slave you brought us came to me and made a sport of me. But as soon as I screamed for help, he left his cloak beside him and ran out of the house. Once again, this time, his robe, the sign of his rebirth and coming back into a good position is snatched from him. Not from his own doing. This time. It was just snatched by someone out to get him. And he finds himself in another pit, this time in jail. Here he is again, naked and in a pit. And there's some guys down there. You may have heard the story. There's the two guys who have the dreams. They don't know what they mean. And Joseph interprets the dreams for him, for them. And they come to pass. And one of them ends up in Pharaoh's care. And when Pharaoh begins to have dreams, he doesn't understand. And none of his magicians, uh, divinators uh, of dreams can figure out what they mean. And he can't figure out, but he knows these dreams are significant. And all of a sudden, the guy who was in the pit with Joseph says, You should call Joseph. He's down there in the jail. Bring him up. Genesis chapter 41, verse 14. So Pharaoh sent for Joseph, and he was quickly brought from the dungeon. When he had shaved and changed his clothes, he came before Pharaoh. So once again, he is in new clothes. But you know, being in a pit and in a dungeon, it changes you a little bit. See, before when he had dreams, he was happy to tell people about his dreams. He was happy to broadcast the favor of God on his life and show it off. And quickly it was removed from him. And then when he felt like he was finally getting back, making some ground, the enemy snatched his robe from him and reminded him, you're not all that. And there he was again. And so this time, he is given just a clean robe and a clean shave. And he's brought before Pharaoh. And he says to him very clearly, before he interprets this dream, it is not me who knows this dream. I am not someone who interprets dreams. It is only God that will give me the ability to tell you what this dream means. And he tells Pharaoh, there's going to be a famine in this land, and you better prepare for it. And Joseph doesn't say, I am your Savior. Look at me in my robe. Look at all the things I know. No, he says, there's a famine coming. Here's what you should do. This is what God says. And he does not seek for himself approval. And then it says in 41 42, Then Pharaoh took his signet ring from his finger and put it on Joseph's finger. And he dressed him in robes of fine linen and put a gold chain around his neck. A new, fine, and beautiful robe was placed on him. But this time, instead of just being a robe that showed that he was favored, he was given a signet ring of authority To do what God had called him to do. Was he still chosen of God at 17? Yes. Was his gift still there? Absolutely. When he walked into Potiphar's house and he was taken advantage of, was he still God's chosen man? Absolutely. Was he still gifted? Yes, he was. When he was down in that dungeon, not brought there by his own accord, was he still God's chosen man? Yes. Did he still get used by God? Absolutely. But it was only after he went through all of the pitfalls because of his own choices and because of life's things that happened. It was only after he went through all of those things that he stepped into the favor, the gifting, and the authority of God. At the end of Genesis, his brothers come to him because there's a famine. And they do bow before him. But not to worship him, but to beg for food to sustain their family. The very men who sought to destroy him because of the favor on his life are now at his feet, begging for mercy from the favor that he carries. And when they find out it's Joseph, they're afraid. And in chapter 50... Joseph says to them, you intended to harm me, but God intended it for good to accomplish what is now being done, the saving of many lives. Clothes and carbs. Here's what I want you to know about clothes today. When we have a gift that God has given us, we don't wear a name tag that says we have that gift. But we have all been given gifts. And we've all been given favor. The fact that you had the choice to get up and get dressed today and come here shows that you have favor in your life. But we've also all been down some rocky roads. And here's the thing I felt like God told me through this story to remember Romans 11:29 for the gifts for God's gifts and his call are irrevocable. And Ephesians 2:10 For we are God's handiwork created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance to do. Sometimes the very thing the enemy used to shame you is the very thing that God will use to appoint you. The very areas that you felt like your failures were so blinding the ways that you messed up and thought that you disqualified yourself, the hard things in life that you went through, that you felt like had destroyed you, the very things that the enemy has tried to use to convince you that you were not chosen or gifted or gods, those are the very things that God will turn around and use for not only your good people, It was not just Joseph and his family whose lives were saved because of what he went through. It was the entire nation of Egypt and the lands of Canaan. There was famine everywhere and only because of Joseph did they get saved. You may have intended to harm me, but God used it for his purpose. So listen, today I want you to know you have, there's no mistake, there's no failure. Nothing that has happened to you somehow disqualifies you. The gifts and call of God are irrevocable. They cannot be taken back from you. He created you for a purpose, and that purpose was prepared beforehand for you. Some of you, I think, and I know because I can't be the only one who have felt cloaked and covered by my mistakes, hidden or cut off. Because of my weaknesses. And today, be reminded, the gift God gave you, he doesn't take back because of what life has done to you. The purpose he created you for, he doesn't pull back because of where life has taken you. Whether you're in a pit of your own causing or in a dungeon because of others' choices, God wants you to remember he works all things together for your good and his glory. All things together for your good and his glory. The gifts and call of God are irrevocable. And for some of you today... Be prepared. He has a new robe for you. Some of you who have felt like that maybe the things that you dreamed about when you were young have tarnished and faded. God wants you to know, I have a new robe for you. Your purpose is the same. I have not taken my hand off of you, not even for a minute. Joseph's wonky wardrobe, it was not just a technicolor dream coat. He's got a new robe for you. Now, who likes bread? Just be honest, raise your hand. Mm -hmm. I love all forms of bread. They all have their place, right? What is it about bread that just comforts you <laughs> right there's just something about the hardiness of it right it fills you up quickly you know you can eat some things and then you're hungry five minutes later but if you eat a big old hunk of bread it will fill you up and you will last for a while like at Panera when they just give you that hunk that they've ripped off of a loaf right it will fill you up for a while it's hardy Bread, we need it sometimes. Somebody's going to message me about this, about my talking about bread. I I already know. I want to talk to you a little bit about Elijah. (laughs) Elijah was such a cool dude. He did really cool things, right? So let's start with where Elijah was doing something cool. Any of you, let's just be honest. I know we just talked about not bragging. But let's be honest, you ever just did something you like, man, I did that. Look at what I did, right? It's okay. We've all done some cool things sometimes, right? Impressed ourselves, blown our own socks off. Like, hey, I didn't even know I could do that. And look at me, I did it, right? We've all had moments where we've done good things. We've, I hope for you that you've had a moment with God where you thought, wow, I felt the presence of God. I felt empowered by God in that moment. I have been in a place of worship where I feel like I'm on the mountaintop. And man, Elijah, when we start this story, he is literally having best day ever. Best day, him and God doing cool things, knocking things out, right? In in 1 Kings chapter 18 through 22, Elijah says, I am the of the Lord's prophets left, but Baal has 450 prophets. One versus 450, right? Now, you know, I mean, it's, it's math, it's statistics. My kids play soccer, so that's the only kind of analogies I have. If you have a goalkeeper and he's going one-on-one with somebody, there's just still a pretty good chance that that goalkeeper can stop a ball from one person, right? Because he's able to keep his eye on him. He can see which way he goes. The moment you add two, you make things more difficult. Now he's got to watch both of them, okay? The more people you add to the mix, the higher the likelihood the ball is going in the net. So I want you to imagine here, we have a situation in which Jezebel has ran off all of the prophets of God. Obadiah has taken them. They are hiding in caves. Not all in the same cave, lest they should find them. They're spread up into groups of 50 and they're hiding in caves because Jezebel is after them. And Elijah realizes it's just me and 450 of them. That's a lot of soccer balls flying at my head that I'm supposed to stop. But he comes to God, and he and God come up with a challenge. And he challenges the prophets of Baal, all 450 of them, to call down fire from heaven. And they try all day. All day. I've got a piece of ice. About choked on that, and that I've been good. They try to call down fire all day and nothing happens. And so Elijah steps up. Here he is, the one taking his penalty kick. 1 Kings chapter 18, verse 36. At the time of the sacrifice, the prophet Elijah stepped forward and prayed, Lord God of Abraham, Isaac, and Israel. Let it be known today that you are God in Israel and that I am your servant and have done all these things at your command answer me Lord answer me so these people will know that you Lord are God and that you are turning their hearts back again then the fire of the Lord fell and burned up the sacrifice the wood the stones and the soil and I love this and it says and also licked up the water in the trench when all the people saw this they fell prostrate and cried, "The Lord, he is God. The Lord, he is God." Woo! Elijah he is having his best prophet day ever. He and God are in sync. And they have connected and fire has come from heaven. And his one faithful prayer to the real God has proved the 450 are not praying to God. And he has proved that our God is God and he has done a great thing with God. And then Jezebel says, because right after that, Elijah took all them 450 people and they killed them. Got rid of them. And Jezebel said, what you have done by killing all my prophets, I'm going to do the same to you. And here, the man of God who had just called fire from heaven, it says he became afraid. In chapter 19, verse 3 and 4, it says, Elijah was afraid and ran for his life. When he came to Beersheba in Judah, which, by the way, that is 20 miles from Mount Carmel. So he ran 20 miles to Beersheba. He left his servant there while he himself went a day's journey into the wilderness. He came to a broom brush and sat down under it and prayed that he might die. I have had enough, Lord, he said. Take my life. I am no better than my ancestors. He was tired, and he was scared, and I get that. All in all, uh, Elijah ran over 120 miles, and he was tired. Let me tell you something. It's really easy to forget all God's done when you're worn out, and when people feel after you, and when things aren't going your way, and when life gets hard. It's real easy to forget what God's done. The day before, he had called fire from heaven and slayed 450 evil prophets of Baal. And today, he is running and hiding in the wilderness and asking and begging God to take his life. He can't do it anymore. I felt that. Now, I've never called down fire from heaven. But I've had some really good moments with God. And I've seen God do some pretty amazing things. And yet, I got to a place where I was so exhausted that I could not even remember the good things He had done. I mean, I knew it, but it didn't feel real. And it felt so far away. And I was just tired. And I didn't beg God to die, but I really did just lay down and say, I'm done. I'm done. I felt like I had run 120 miles and I was worn out. And here's Elijah having done something great for God. And then the day after, he's overcome with fear and anxiety and worry and exhaustion. And he lays down and he says, God, I am done. I am done. And here's where we get one of my favorite passages. 1 Kings chapter 19, verse 5 through 7. Then he laid down under the bush and fell asleep. And all at once an angel touched him and said, Get up and eat. And he looked around, and there by his head was some bread baked over hot coals and a jar of water. He ate and drank and laid down again. And the angel of the Lord came back a second time and touched him and said, Get up and eat, for the journey is much too long for you. Joseph, Elijah was ready to die. And really, he just needed a nap and some bread. And I, I have to tell you that when I read this, I had this image. A lot of times when people talk about good food, Tina comes to my mind because I don't cook good food, but she does. And I just had this image of him waking up and the angel of the Lord, who, when it involves food, looks a lot like Tina Bargis to me. And there she stood with fresh-made naan bread, soft and fluffy and warm, and a mason jar full of ice-cold water. And he ate and he drank. And then what does it say he did? He went back to sleep. And if you've ever had one of Tina's wonderful meals, you know that there's probably nothing better than eating that meal and then taking a nap afterwards. And you wake up and think, I am rejuvenated for the journey, right? And here was Elijah who had done great things for God, but he was so tired and fearful of what life was doing that he was done And God said, Take a nap and eat some bread and drink some water and then take another nap and then do it again because the journey's been long. I felt that like a rush to my spirit during my time away. People kept asking me, like, what I was going to do. And I didn't really have any plans. I read a lot. I listened to the Bible so that I wasn't even reading it. I was just letting it be spoken over me. And I felt like God said, the journey's been long. Take a nap. Partake of the bread of life. Drink of the water that you will never thirst again. And then, in verse 18... He said he got up and drank, strengthened by the food. He traveled 40 days and 40 nights until he reached Horeb, the mountain of God. And after he reached the mountain of God, it was there that he heard God's voice in the still wind. Rest and stillness clear our mind to hear his voice. Rest is godly. Jesus rested. Rested. Rest is godly. Now, we are busy people. I have a busy day today. My children are going to camp. They were packing their stuff. I have no idea if it's all packed correctly. Any other moms understand what that means? You're like, did we actually take a toothbrush? I don't even know, right? We all have busyness in our life. Your life is not going to get suddenly less busy. But you can... Take a nap. You can rest in God. And I felt very clearly to me, and this is something that I'll, I'll need my friends to help me hold accountable, help me be accountable about. I felt clearly that God said, if you don't have an hour to rest in me, you're doing too much. If you don't have an hour to be still, you're doing too much. I'm not talking about an hour of sleep. I'm talking about an hour to sit and partake of the bread of life and drink from the fountain that will make you not thirst again. You need rest. You need it. Partake of the bread of life. Worship team, you guys can go ahead and come. Here's some things I know some things I learned over my time away. And I hope they speak to you. And if they don't, I'm sorry they spoke to me, so hopefully I'm, I'm, I'm in a good, better spot than I was. <laughs> but I hope they speak to you. We've all walked on some wonky paths. We've fallen in pits that we've dug and in pits that we didn't see coming. Can anybody be honest? You've been in some pits that you dug yourself. And then you looked around like, how did I get here? And then you realize there's a shovel in your hand. <laughs> oh, I dug this, my own self, right? We have all been in some pits that we dug. And how many of you can be honest and say you've been blindsided by some pits that came your way? Those are scary when you don't see them coming. We've all been vulnerable and misrepresented. Misrepresented. We've all been used, we've all been mistreated, we have looked down at what we're wearing and felt ragged and bare. And some of you may be looking at your life right now feeling like the only thing protecting you is a very thin piece of linen. And you may feel really vulnerable and really bare and really lost right now. And really separated from who God's called you to be. And he just wants you to know today, he clothes the lilies of the field. He will clothe you with beauty. He has not forgotten you. Do not despair. Do not doubt. He who began a good work in you will see it through to completion. These are promises from God's word. And look, we've all had some really good days like Elijah. It's okay to admit we've had moments that have been wonderful. We've all had mountaintop days, and then we've had days where all we felt like we did was run in busyness and fear and anxiety and turmoil, and we have run until we lay down and we say, I am done. Let me tell you, there's no words that the enemy likes more than for a believer to say I'm done because then he don't have to worry about you anymore. You're not moving. Some of you are done. You are done. I understand. You're done. Life's been hard. It's not been easy. You're done. You're done with that person. You're done with that relationship. You're done praying that prayer. You're done. And I understand. I want you to see. I see you. I understand. You're exhausted. You're worn out. You've seen the goodness of God, but it's been so long you wonder if it still is good. And today the Lord says, just rest. There's a line from that song, Jaira. Oh, I wish I could sing it like Sydney. He says, I wasn't holding you up, so I can't let you down. <laughs> let me tell you something, guys. You were never holding God up. You were never holding him up. You can't let him down. You can't let him down. Wherever you're at right now, you're not letting him down. Psalms 121 is called the Psalm of Ascent. Ascent needs to go up. Listen to the words of David. And let this be our prayer today. I lift my eyes up to the mountains. Where does my help come from? My help comes from the Lord, the maker of heaven and earth. He will not let your foot slip. He who watches over you will not slumber. Indeed, he who watches over Israel with neither slumber nor sleep. The Lord watches over you. The Lord is your shade at your right hand. The sun will not harm you by day, nor the moon by night. The Lord will keep you from all harm. He will watch over your life. The Lord will watch over your coming and going both now and forevermore. This has been my phrase. Some of you have heard me say it. God's got you and you've got this. God's got you. So you've got this. He's got you. I know there are people who are struggling to sleep. Let me tell you something. You will find yourself being able to sleep when you remember that God does not. I remember that bringing your baby home from the hospital and you lay them down in that little bassinet. And they tell you, now when the baby sleeps, you sleep. But nobody tells you that that's hard to do when you're watching the baby sleep. And then you're like looking at I'm looking at him. I'm like, okay, are you going to sleep right now? And I'll stare at the baby. And then you stare at the baby and I'll sleep, right? And God's like, listen, you can go to sleep because I don't. You can rest. You can rest because the journey's long. The journey's long. And there are lives to be saved because of your purpose. So get strengthened for the journey. For in him all things were created, things in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or powers or rulers or authorities. All things have been created through him and for him. He is before all things, and in him all things hold together. Let me let you in on a little secret. When it says in him all things hold together, him means Jesus, not you. It does not say, in Lindsay, all things hold together. Though Lindsay sometimes feels like it is in Lindsay that all things hold together. Anybody else want to be honest about that? Right? When I began to plan to take a break, I was like, okay, wait a minute now. Um, How can I do that? And then God reminded me, oh, hey, side note, you ain't holding nothing together. (laughs) I'm holding you together, and that's a full-time job. You don't hold anything together. Oh, can we just take an exhale today? Let me tell you something. You ain't holding nothing together. It's only God, and he's got you, so you got everything else. Take a rest. Receive from the bread of life. Today he wants you to be restored and rested. The gifts and call of God are irrevocable on your life. He has a robe for you. He has a purpose for you. He has a plan for you. There are lives that will be changed because of you. It's okay to put on your robe, to take a nap, to eat some bread, and drink some water because you don't hold this all together. God does. It is Him And it is only him. I want to ask you to stand today. It is hot in here, I'm aware. this over my head and anoint myself with some cold water today for a lot of us we're getting ready to head into a busy season fall is busy life doesn't slow down some of you are going to go to work tonight my friend Jackie worked all night last night at the hospital she's tired It's okay to be tired. It's okay to say I'm done. Right? If the prophet of God who could call down fire from heaven could say he was done, I think you and I can admit when we're done. So listen today. Can we just close our eyes for a minute? And be still before the Lord. This is something that is so hard to do, is to be still before the Lord. We feel like we need to say something. Or that he needs to say something. And sometimes we just need to give our minds the opportunity to be still. Still. you're in a pit today, he sees you. It doesn't matter how you got there. He sees you. If you're feeling disqualified today because you've made bad choices, or things haven't gone right, and you feel disqualified today, he sees you. And he reminds you it's not you who chose you, it's Him who chose you. If you're feeling tired today and worn out by life for whatever reason, the Lord sees you today. He sees you. The worship team is going to sing Reckless Love. And I want you to worship the Lord today, just as we close out. And if you want prayer today, then there will be people to pray with you about anything. a little side note, I haven't figured it all out. (laughs) haven't. (laughs) But I know the God who does. (laughs) And I know he hears us. And he listens, and he has good things for us. And I just want us to go in the confidence that God holds all things together. Your clothes, your carbs, he's got you covered because he's God. and You don't have to worry about it. In him, all things hold together. And his reckless love for you has pursued you and is chasing after you and so great are the plans and purposes he has for you. Let me tell you something. There's a couple people here, and I I really feel this in my spirit, and I don't want to single you out because I don't want to bring embarrassment or attention to you, but let me tell you something. When the enemy starts working from your birth to destroy you, then let me tell you something. There is something in you that hell is fighting for. And there are some of you in here that maybe nobody else even knows that you feel like you've been attacked since the moment you were born. But darkness has always followed you. And you have felt always like there was a darkness in your mind and in your heart. And you have felt pursued by darkness. And you have felt always chased from the moment of your birth. Like, why do I have to go through so many attacks and so many hard things? Why? Well, let me tell you something. Hell doesn't its time on things that don't have purpose. And there are several of you in here today. I want you to understand the reckless love of Jesus has been chasing after you and fighting hell for you. And the only reason your two feet are still planted on this ground is because heaven has fought for you and for your purpose. And there is nothing, nothing that can take it away So today begin to realize you are called by God, ordained by God, chosen by God, pursued by God. You have value and purpose and there is a reason the gates of hell shall not prevail against you. I don't know why hell fights so hard against some people, but today I want you to know (laughs) You take the power away when you realize you're pursuing me because of God's plans for me. You're pursuing me because of God's plans for me. He has sought, the enemy has sought to destroy you from the moment of your birth. From the time of your birth, people have spoken negativity over you, words over you, destruction over you. People and when people didn't speak at your own mind spoke and said you're not good enough, you're not worthy. You'll never amount to anything. This world is corrupt. This world is evil. This world has nothing good in it. And negativity and darkness has constantly been in your ears. There has been voices that have told you to take your life and just remove yourself from this evil place. There has been a constant barrage of darkness pounding on your door. Since the moment you were born, it felt like you were born into darkness. And today Jesus wants you to know, you are mine and the gates of hell shall not prevail against you. The gates of hell shall not prevail against you. Can we lift our hands in this place today for just a moment? Can you take a minute? When we open our hands to the Lord, we're saying, I release all of the things I'm holding. I'm opening my hands and letting go of my worries. I'm letting go of my fears. I'm letting go of my insecurities. I'm letting go of my doubts. I'm letting go of my failures. And God, today, I am facing you and saying, the gates of hell shall not prevail against me. What God has taken, he will do it for good. What the enemy meant for evil, God will turn it for good. It is true that the purposes and plans of God are for me. I will not fear. We lift our hands to you, God, and I ask today that you pour your rest upon each of us. Fill our bellies with the word of life. Refresh our spirits with the water of life today. May we come to know that it's in you all things are held together. It's in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen.